not to just start taking a trip down nostalgia lane for no reason, but do you remember when Altoids had citrus flavor? I think about it literally every single day. They were so freaking delicious. They were so intensely flavored. (laughs) They would cut the roof of your mouth. So deliciously tasty and now completely evaporated out of existence. Yeah, I don't even know what ever happened to them. They just like disappeared one day and never came back. Kind of like when Oreo made cookie straws called Oreo sippers return them to me at once. Mine is when Burger King made the hot mac and Cheeto like bites. Oh my gosh, it was during the Pokemon Go summer and I ate them every single day until they snatched them away from me. I've never tried those, but I am devastated. They sound delicious. So many things seem to just come and go. It's crazy. Like, remember when Michael Sarah was in movies all the time? Apologies to Michael Sarah. And now he's just a mythic figure. He's <laughs> above the status of an actor. He's he he the one and only Michael Sarah. But thinking about things like Altoids and Michael Sarah and Hot Mac and Cheetos got me thinking. What about things that were built? to disappear. Ooh, okay. This actually reminds me a lot of a video game that I've heard about that claims once you beat it, it self-destructs. Hoof, you can never play it again. Literally give me my money back. I would be enraged. Loey, are you talking about Kill Switch? Oh, I'm talking about Kill Switch. <laughs> no, 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 no. We are talking <laughs> about Kill Switch. Welcome to Internet Urban Legends, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Loey, your friendly neighborhood true believer gamer of the day, ready to play some creepy video games with the bestie and all of you. And I am Eleanor, your stubborn skeptic. I love our gruesome gaming episodes. I do too. They're so fun. I am so excited for Hate today. to play favorites with our children, being, of course, the podcast apps, but these are among my favorites. Mm-hmm. Together, we are the Gruesome Twosome, and this is Internet Urban Legends, where we dive deep into the darkest corners of the internet. We might find the answers we're looking for. We might stay up all night gaming. One thing is for sure, we're glad to have you guys along for the ride. Let's catch some dubs. I'm ready. I find that creepy video games often seem even scarier than like creepy media. Like let's say you're finding a creepy video on the internet. Scary, spooky. However, with a creepy game, there's the prospect that you will play it. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting about Kill Switch is apparently you're going to play it once and it's done. I had never heard of Kill Switch before, had you? No, this was new to me, mm-hmm. which, I mean, hey, we do go to the deepest, darkest corners of the internet, always finding new things. After our Polybius gruesome gaming episode, I didn't think that we would find anything quite like Kill Switch in the way of these almost lost media-esque internet legend-type games. And... It's similar to Polybius because the story is more about, like, did the game exist at all? Right. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. If I were to ever create a creepy little video game of my own... What elements would I put in it? Mm-hmm. Do you have a dream game that you would doctor up? 
Hmm. I gotta think for a second. I think that, of course, my dream creepypasta video game, of course, has to be a horror game. And I think for me, it would probably be like, I love horror games that are repetitive in the sense Mm -hmm. that like, it's kind of like PT. I think that PT, the Silent Hills demo, really changed the horror industry because it not pioneered this, but like really did it well, where you're in a constant loop and you have to puzzle solve as you go through that loop. There's a sense of familiarity and you almost start to feel safe mm-hmm. in an environment where you're repeating over and over again. You start to think that you know what to expect. And then those jump scares are so powerful because you've almost like lulled yourself into a false sense of reality. Mm-hmm. And the puzzles are that much scarier because you know something's coming. I think that that's my favorite type of horror game. So I think that that's really the one element that I would implement. I would want like a rising up of a seemingly just completely innocuous part of a video game, like Sonic Adventure, but like the Chows Mm. take over, you know what I mean? Or like Animal Crossing, but instead of fishing for fish, it's like, here come the body parts and Tom Nook, you just like walk into frame and he just kind of peeks around and you're like, that's a little sinister, but it's not enough at the start to really make you think like too much is going on. You're just like, oh, this is... The devs made some weird choices, like maybe it would go viral on Twitter because it's like, oh, why is Tom Nook being a little creepy? But I'm sure it's on accident. And then the items in his shop start to be like a little sinister, like instead of just a shovel and I don't know, an axe. All of a sudden the next day, it's like a fishing rod and a knife. And you're like, oh, that's weird. They've never had knives in Animal Crossing, but maybe it's just to trim the hedges, like just getting progressively creepier and creepier. I love that. I love that. Someone please make the game. Someone please make an Animal Crossing horror game. I'm actually begging at this point. Let's talk a little bit about Kill Switch and its supposed history. As the story about this game goes, it was spring of 1989 when a Czech gaming company known as the Carvina Corporation is said to have released a game called Kill Switch in limited supply. First off, Carvina Corporation is just giving Umbrella Corp. You know what I mean? It's giving Resident (laughs) Evil. It's giving a little spooky. It's giving a little scary. But by limited supply, I mean only 5,000 copies of this game are said to have ever been released. And I think it was for PC only. All of the documentation of this has been on PC. All the people who talk about it have said that they played it on PC. And it was supposedly unique because it could only ever be played once. When the player finished the game, it erased itself from their system, making itself unplayable. I would be livid. Are you kidding me? I buy a disc. And then it's just like, this disc, I don't know, it's just no longer readable. It like burns itself. I don't know. Have you ever played a game like that where the file changes? Because I know Undertale, you can never have a pure experience if you play it once. I've never played Undertale, really? Yeah, it'll like remember what you did in the last save file and treat you differently and be like, I remember you and like things will be slightly different in the game. God, I need to play Undertale. Oh, it's so good. I don't think it, no, I don't think I've ever played a game like that where it remembers, you know, not like something like Pokemon where you can just obviously delete the save file and come back. No, I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever played anything where you can't erase the history. On the surface, Kill Switch looked like a prototype of a mystery or horror survival game. The graphics were monochrome with vague gray and white shapes against a black background. Slow, chip-tune versions of Czech folk songs play throughout. Players could choose between two avatars, an invisible demon named Gast, or a visible human woman named Porto. If you played as Gast, because listen, I heard the two when I said Gast, that's my boy. Come on, Gast. Can you imagine the amount of fan art? That would come out of an invisible demon. Like, oh my gosh, you'd think it would be more difficult, but the possibilities. Endless. I trust Tumblr. I trust TikTok. (laughs) Gast would be the invisible boy of the ever. (laughs) 
Well, unfortunately, if you played as our boy Gas, you were not going to have a very good time. Gas was very clearly the more powerful character out of the two because he had fire breath and a coal steam attack, but it was literally impossible to play him because once again, he's an invisible demon. This is not like something you can toggle on and off. He's just invisible. He's just not there, which iconic. I also don't want to be perceived I just, when I'm breathing fire. I can't get over it. The fan art just draws itself. You know, you what can I mean? see him, right? Because I yes. can see him. I'm like, oh, he's like white, I guess, like a kind of like outline of this transparent little dude with like red act. Like I can like, see him. The fact I can see that him. he's just this hyper-powered emo, invisible, <laughs> like all he can do is just die over and over. Like stop, it's everything. And he throws such a tantrum at the end of the game. He just erases the whole dang file. Absolutely, the fan art and the fan fiction is endless. So it's said that players, once they tried to play his gas would almost always just restart the game as Porto because they would just like constantly die as gas. They couldn't see him. They couldn't do anything with him. And that makes a lot of sense because we've only really seen gameplay from Porto's side that has circulated on YouTube today. Now, we know that Gast can shoot fire, and we know that that is significantly cooler than what Porto can do. But what can Porto do? Seemingly, her ability was just to change size at random intervals. She could get bigger. She could get smaller. It didn't really seem to have any bearing on the game or the gameplay, but that was her only ability. When I first read this, I was thinking of that one chapter of It Plays 2 where Cody can go like bigger, tiny, but there's like there's platforming points to that. Apparently, this was just totally useless. Porto's, what is it called in cartoons, where it's like they have one set, a character model. Her character Mm. model is just completely out of whack, so... When you play as Porto, which again is really the only path we see, she awakens in the dark with a wound on her elbows and she's confused. She's like, where am I? She moves through the levels of a coal mine in which it's slowly revealed that she was once an employee. There are a few enemies. They're giving possessed coal miner, honestly, but there are no bosses. It's very clearly not a combat game. They're kind of just there for the ambiance. Again, her only power is to get bigger or smaller. So she's not a combative queen. Okay. Porto moves through the tunnels to eventually reach subsequent levels, and her size is just getting bigger, smaller at random. You're just moving through the coal mine, trying to get out, and eventually the player discovers that the foreman, under pressure to increase coal production, so we're getting lore, we're getting world building, they began falsifying reports of malfunctions and worker malfeasance in order to excuse low output. So they were basically making up reasons why they couldn't produce enough coal, Mm. which incited an inspection from the company and the company was not happy. Officials from the company were dispatched, one for each miner, which how many resources, bro? Yeah. How many officials are there? That's insane. Each of them was tortured with the game showing these like fuzzy, kind of not super clear graphics of red coated men, we assume it's blood, standing over workers and they, this is gross. This is gross. So if you don't like gore, like it's nasty, but they insert small knives into their joints whenever production was too slow. Gross. And they're standing there in their red coats, probably just covered in these guys' blood. Mm -hmm. Like spooky, spooky, scary. Eventually in the story, Porto finds and assembles a tape recorder on which a male voice tells her that the fires of the earth had risen up and flowed into the hearts of the decrepit. Behind the tape recorder, now we're getting significant world building at this point, right? Like I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so invested in this game. Like that's Mm -hmm. crazy. You know, there's this whole torture sequence. There's these like decrepit dissolving caves around this woman who's just trying to get through. And it turns out she used to work there. And like, what is her role? 
was she a corporation leader or was Mm -hmm. she a worker? Apparently it's like 50-50. I know. But then you're like, I'm hanging on every word. Like, what happens next? Well, I'm so glad you asked because it's exactly what you would not expect. You could not expect this at all. So behind this tape recorder where she finds this message, very clearly relating to the lore, Porto finds a chamber where coal was once rendered into cocaine. So there are simply no clues as to what is intended to be done in this room. And the cocaine pile is kind of where the game, at least at a certain point, like the gameplay came to a stop. Players claim to have attempted everything from killing Porto on purpose to continuing to process the coal into more cocaine. And this is where gamers claim that they were stuck for years. They couldn't figure out how to move past this part of the game and it seemed like all hope was lost. That was until the dawn of the early internet. Up next, we'll talk about how Kill Switch was allegedly solved. And we'll also discuss if you can even play this game today. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from the Spotify original from Parcast, Cults. Next on our series, a four-part deep dive into the religious movement known as the Moonies. Sushi, mass weddings, political coups. Discover the many business ventures, beliefs, and scandals of this headline-making sect. This is one special you do not want to miss. You can also catch up on hundreds of classic episodes and new ones each week by following Cults free on Spotify. Find out what turns a natural-born leader into a vessel for wreaking havoc. Enjoy a new episode of Cults every Tuesday, free and only on Spotify. So remember, Porto, our girl, is trapped in this tiny little room. She has a mountain of cocaine, and players have tried everything. Now, a user on the Kill Switch message board named Porto881, a super fan, <laughs> finally discovered the solution at some point, and they posted it online. This player simply had Porto ingest the raw coke, and that's all it took for her to fight her way out of this room and into the final level of the game. Um, miss me with that. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you had a video game, the first thing gamers would do is have Miss Thing ingest the Coke. You're telling me they were trying to, like, come on now. Morally, they're like, well, we can kill Porto. We can subject her to hundreds of hours of manual labor. But the Coke, that's too much. We can't just have her ingest the Coke. Miss me with that. But that is how her story goes. I think it's really not super feasible. However, as Porto crawls through the final tunnel to emerge above ground, that's where our game ends. The screen suddenly turns white and Kill Switch, by design, deletes itself off of your device as soon as the player completes the game. All traces of the game are then removed from the user's computer. The game cannot be copied. For all intents and purposes, it exists only for those playing it and then ceases to be entirely. You cannot replay it or unlock any further secrets or narrative pathways, and you can't even experience the game all the way to the end as Porto and Ghast. It's said that one man claimed to get a rare copy of the game on eBay, but get this, to this day, the only evidence of him owning it is a photo of him crying. It's just a pic of him crying with the player select screen in the background. It's Porto 881. It's Porto. (laughs) It's just so emotional. (laughs) So, a few things. Sadly, we know this game isn't real. 
at least not in the way that we've described it to you guys. So Kill Switch is actually a short story written by Catherine M. Valenti and published on her Invisible Games blog. So this blog was active from October to December of 2007, and it consisted of a series of surreal stories of mysterious games, and their even more mysterious creators. The original blog, sadly, is no longer online, but you can still currently read it through the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine, so it's not completely lost to time. And even if the game were real, the whole idea of it self-destructing is the most unlikely part. Think about it. Even in the early days of the internet, the most dedicated fans would immediately have started trying to figure out a technical way to get around this. Game self-destructing in the 90s probably would have been the end of piracy as we knew it. And we know that's simply not the case, especially not with (laughs) LimeWire existing just shortly after. The self-destruct element Honestly, I don't think it added much to the story. Mm-hmm. I also don't think it added much to the lore of the game because we're meant to believe that this game came out at a point where you wouldn't be uploading your screenshots of the game to Twitter anyway. Yeah. You know, like out of 5,000 copies, it's not like everybody would have played it. So some of those games still would have existed. I do think it's interesting, <laughs> but not surprising, that no game has ever been so bold as to erase itself in some capacity. Yeah. Like it's possible for them to, you know, code in a blank screen or the end at the end of a game and not allow you to play it. I mean, I know that's possible. I guess people would just riot because, you know, they spent their money, but I'm shocked that nobody's really employed that gimmick. I think that it's an interesting storytelling element, and I'm going to take a slight tangent as one does here, because I think that any little tidbit that you can toss into these like actual creepypastas about media that you claim exists where you're like, this is why it doesn't exist. Ooh, it self-destructed. Polybius doesn't exist because there were so limited of them and then they were causing kids harm. So they were like ripped out of arcades and stuff. So I think that like the element of it, of course, self-destructing is so obviously there for an excuse as to why it doesn't exist. But I agree that it doesn't really add to the storytelling of it. I just think that a lot of storytellers, they want to cover their bases, even in their own world of storytelling. They want to explain why doesn't this exist? Why can't you see gameplay of it, you know? But if Kill Switch sounds cool to anybody out there, we are not liars, okay? We're truthers. <laughs> you can watch playthroughs of this game. Kill Switch does have enough of a fan base where a number of people have made their very own Kill Switch fan games. And you can go on and watch people play through the narrative. You can find a bunch of Let's Plays of various fan games right on YouTube. For instance, there's a series of videos by user Bartos Chalupnik that alleges to do a Let's Play of both Porto and the Ghast Roots. He does the impossible. Yes. The Ghast playthroughs are funny because it's literally just like the screen moving um, <laughs> without anything on screen. And then you just keep dying over and over. Honestly, love the lore. So you can watch playthroughs of this completely fabricated video game online. It's really interesting. It's one of the earliest, I guess, known examples of scary playthroughs, like real Let's Plays mm-hmm. of fake games. We've talked about a couple of them on the podcast. We've talked about Petscop, Diminish, but this is kind of the blueprint. But do you believe that games like this exist because somebody has created the media to the point where they can play and record it? Do we think Kill Switch actually exists? And on top of that, do you think that's why people like Catherine write these short stories with the intention of like 
maybe she's not a game dev, but like maybe if you know what I mean, like they can see their ideas fleshed out as well through the community. That's actually such a fascinating concept because it would basically say that like you could write and I mean, this is true for most things. You could write a video game and then not actually be the one to publish it Mm -hmm. or develop it. But that would be such an interesting way to look at this. Someone like almost writing their like dream horror game in an aspect. And Mm -hmm. maybe she knew that fans would be really obsessed and make their own band games. Maybe she didn't. But it's hard to say. I think that like you can take the idea of a scary game that turned into something real everywhere from something like this something like kill switch all the way to scary pokemon roms things like pokemon creepypastas that then turned into fan games again you just never know like what Mm -hmm. are they thinking when they're writing this are they like i hope somebody makes a scary rom because i want to play it usually it's just because they have an idea and they want to spook people you know it makes you wonder what kind of message that the actual story was trying to portray. And I do think that it's a lot to do with the mistreatment of workers. There's this creepy element to it. It feels sort of like Resident Evil meets like, because Resident Evil is all about an evil corporation and capitalism and then how that like turns into humanity just being absolutely repulsive. Kind of like that meets almost like a platformer, it seems, which is really cool. Either way, no matter what the purpose of writing something like this is, I'm glad it exists. Yeah, I think horror games are interesting because they're super cyclical. Like anytime you hear a story about a creepy game, you never know if the origin is the creepy game or if the origin mm-hmm. is the story because you'll always find gameplay of like haunted Sonic, you know what I mean? And it's like, was this a real game that's now circulating as stories because all these 12-year-olds, like we all played those games as kids, right? You would just stumble on a site where it was meant to cultivate like kid-friendly games and then all of a sudden you would like encounter a dead pixelated Fluttershy and you'd be like, oh my God, what is this? Like we all played those games. So I do think it's fascinating that anytime you do encounter this footage, these types of stories, you have to go like on a deep dive to discover its true origins. I think that's fun. So we're at the end of the episode and it's like, we know the game is fake. I do wish it was real. I do. I want to see gas. I need to see gas. I need to see the fan art. I know it exists. Honestly, it probably does regardless. Yeah. I'm going to fall down a bit of a rabbit hole looking into that. But if the game were real, I certainly would play it. It sounds super interesting. And the actual story of it is what kind of drew me in, not the idea of it self-destructing. I think that that's sort of like the tagline, like, ooh, this game self-destructs when you play it. Mm -hmm. However, like, oh my God, possessed coal miners and this like crazy corporate scheme where they're being literally stabbed by corporation leaders and stuff, like just to produce more coal and maybe make more coke? I have no idea. (laughs) It's all really fascinating. And I keep thinking about Gas, my boy. If he had had the power to go invisible, then visible again, that would have been so cool. What a cool power. Is that like your superpower? Yeah, it's my superpower. I can go invisible and then reappear. Actually, I would hate that. I don't think I'd like that at all. I think that'd be kind of scary. She said, actually, after two seconds of contemplation, never mind. Gas can keep it, actually. What do we think the ultimate point of this story is? I think, obviously, it's simply for entertainment, much like something like Polybius, which we still have not no, you know, it's like that was all a big creepypasta, but really mm-hmm. kind of fooled the web for many a decade, seemingly. It seems like this is something sort of similar, but... I also love the sort of world building that happened in this story 
this like made up story about a made up game with a made up premise. Like it's so many mm-hmm. layers to it. And I really do like it. It's very intriguing. I do love just it's like pro union media. Like, yes, we've talked a lot about games that are creepy for the sake of being creepy. I appreciate that we got a anti-capitalism game on our hands. Yeah. There's a lot of imagery relating to the exploitation of the workforce. If Killswitch were a real game, it would almost likely be a political statement about the mistreatment of workers. There's also the fact that obviously it's pretty creepy. You're dungeon crawling and the platforming is really just you killing off potentially your co-workers that are now inhabited by zombies. Knives in the joints. Yeah. Knives in the joints. Ugh. Oh my God. I can literally see it. They take the knives out their joints and they just like huck them at you. I was like, oh, you added a... I did. I added a layer. I added a layer. A toss as well. Yeah. Viewers at home can't see, but I'm very interactive with these stories. I'm really acting it out for you and I'm tossing the knives as we speak. Something interesting to note here is that a game called Kill Switch does exist. It's actually a 2003 like third-person shooter game. So I thought it was kind of funny because this entire story was written in 2007 understandable why this horror game is called Kill Switch because obviously it hits a kill switch when it's all said and done it self-destructs as a video game but I don't know I thought that was worthy of noting I didn't get it I didn't know I didn't know that's what that meant I was still sitting here like yeah that's crazy I wonder I wonder why I've never heard that term before We want to know what you guys think about this one. Would you ever play Kill Switch? Have you ever heard of a video game like this before, self-destructing? Let us know all over social media with hashtag gruesome twosome. We would love to hear from you. Thank you all so much for listening. We are once again your hosts, Loie and Eleanor, also known as the Gruesome Twosome, and we have loved this deep dive into the world of internet urban legends with all of you. You can find all episodes of the podcast, Internet Urban Legends, for free exclusively on Spotify. Don't forget to follow the podcast so we can continue bringing you a new disturbing mystery each and every week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Loeybug and at Snitchery and support our show by following at Parcast on Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. Stay gruesome, friends. Internet Urban Legends is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler from Parcast, Slash Management, and Ed Simpson, Fanny Baudry, and Leah Sutherland from Wheelhouse DNA. Sound design by Ron Shapiro, with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. It is produced by Jonathan Ratliff, Gemma Waters, John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Lexi Kiven. Research and script writing provided by Judd Bookout. And we're your hosts, Loie Lane and Eleanor Barnes, a.k.a. The Gruesome Twosome.